coming up. That's love. Here, here it is. Jesus is demonstrating to them the very essence of love, and they thinking it's not love. You ever been there? You ever loved somebody and they didn't receive it? And you were loving them to the best of your ability, and they didn't think you was loving them. And they had the audacity to tell you, you don't love me. See, see, some of us have been in that situation. That was us. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One, the podcast ministry of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. With things constantly changing in the world around us, it can be difficult at times to see the good in every circumstance. But Pastor Robert wants us to examine our thoughts and beliefs on what we call good. Join us for this challenging message series, Living the Good Life. Here's the final part of the message, Learning from the Best. And it, I'm, I, don't let me talk about birth. You know, it's like, okay, that's the whole, right? It, I don't know. I, I ain't experienced that. But mothers, mothers, it's like, it, it, I hear, I heard, and I watched, I watched that it was quite painful. <laughs> am, am, am I right or not? Am I right? All right? And I watched. But you, you go through that suffering, and guess what? They say, I want another one. They would be willing to do it again. I'm just telling you that we, but why is it when it comes to things of God, all of a sudden suffering is out of the question for us? It doesn't really make sense, does it? It's like we suffer for all kind of other things. I saw, I saw with my own eyes, folks standing outside in the sun for over an hour waiting to get a donut. Do y'all understand? I saw it. Guess what? I was in line. <laughs> I was in line when Krispy Kremes first opened up out here uh, in, in our area. And so everybody was talking about how good these donuts was. And, and, <laughs> and so, you know, I was with the rest of the group. I got in, you know, so let's go get some donuts. Got there. The line was backed up. Do y'all understand? It was backed up. We sat there. And we sat there. And we moved a little bit. And we sat. And we sat. And then we moved a little bit again. And then we sat for a donut. I mean, it's really, really, we really need to change our mindset about suffering. But when it comes to the things of God, we like no suffering. But we suffer for all kinds of things. During the holidays, folks lined up at the Apple store, camped out at the Apple store, eating beef jerky and chips all night to get a phone that you'll be able to get, you know, a few weeks later. And you already had a phone. All right. It's like you already got a working phone. You have a working phone already, but you got to get the latest one. And you can't wait another week or two or three to get a new one. And you suffer all night in the cold for something you already have. But when it comes to the things of God, all of a sudden, we want to get rid of all the suffering. What's wrong with us? 
Something's wrong with the way we think. And this text says there was something Jesus learned. And it doesn't just say something. It tells us specifically that he learned obedience by suffering. Question, how obedient do you want to be? Do you really want to obey God? Then how much suffering are you willing to take? Let me give you some context on that, what it might look like. Suffering for obedience. Suffering for obedience might look like you do what God says and you get ridiculed by all your friends. They talk about you like a dog. I want to I talk about something real. I want to talk about something real in people's lives in this regard. Some people in their relationship, if they get cheated on, their friends will say, oh, you need to leave him. You need to leave her. And if you stay, your friends will talk about you like a dog. How are you going to let him treat you like that? How are you going to let her treat you like that? How are you going to do that? Talk about you like a dog. And you say in your mind, you're thinking, no, this is the best thing for me to do. The Bible says forgive. Jesus says let, let not a man separate, put asunder, one translation says. So in your mind, you're being obedient to God. You, you're looking at it. And you know you realize the scripture gives you an out. You could if you want to. But it doesn't say you have to. But people will criticize you and wonder, why are you doing that? That don't make no sense. There's plenty of other fish in the sea. All kinds of stuff. I'm just giving you what it, what it might look like. When you decide to obey God, you decide to obey God, a whole lot of things could happen in your life. I think I shared with y'all before. I share again. I was at a barber shop one time, and uh, one one brother uh, was in a barber shop. Barber shop packed. You know, people lined up all around the wall. Folks taking numbers, everything, waiting, and all that stuff. And 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 uh, one guy was 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 talking. If you're familiar with the barber shop scene, you know it's a lot of talking going on, a lot of you know uh, talking about going on. So one brother said he was at the man. I was at the ATM the other day, and money just started coming out. And he said, it just kept coming. It just kept coming. And they was like, for real? He's like, what'd you do? He said, man, I went inside and told them. It was coming out. The ATM was broke. And they all went, ah! <laughs> Every single one of them, they laughed at him. They talked about it. Man, you stupid. And it, the whole shop is ridiculing him. And I stood up. I said, man, brother, I would have done the same thing. So he wouldn't have to stand by himself. See, that, that's what suffering can look like if you decide to obey. You can just say, you know what? I don't care if y'all talk about me. I just want to do what God says right. Take it even closer. Your family, your family, the folk you love the dearest. When you decide, you know what? I'm going to live for God. I'm coming to your party, but I'm leaving early. And I'm not drinking. And I'm not going to involve myself in all that other stuff y'all do that ain't right. And I know the scriptures give you out. You can drink a little bit. Just don't get drunk. But you decided I'm not going to drink at all. I just, I'm just i not going to drink at all. And your family's like, what's wrong with you? You don't love us no more? What well, love ain't got nothing to do with that. I love God more. That's all. And your family can cast you away. I had a lady tell me once that she was, she was thinking about God. The, the, the realness and trueness of God was really becoming real to her. And, but when she thought about pursuing it, she knew her parents' philosophy was different and that if she went that route, it would separate her with her family. 
that they wouldn't appreciate her new belief because they didn't agree with it. And she didn't pursue God. That's, that's what suffering can look like if you decide to obey God. So we suffer for all other kinds of things, but when it comes to the things of God, all of a sudden we think suffering should cease. That is not biblical. It is all throughout scripture that as a follower of Christ, you will suffer. And the truth is, when I wasn't following Christ, I was suffering. <laughs> y'all, y'all, yeah, you know that now. It's like, wow, why, why did I put myself through that? <laughs> so here it is. There's going to be some suffering anyway in life. I don't know about you. I would rather suffer for doing things God's way than the world's way anytime. So, A, um, as, write this down, as followers, we should be good learners, good learners. Hebrews 5.12 says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again, all over again. The text says, by now, you should be teaching some of this stuff and you need to learn it again. Jesus learned obedience. He was a learner. Now, as fathers, we should be good learners, too. We shouldn't have to keep learning the same thing over and over again. We should become teachers of it. Part of the problem that we're having to relearn is because we don't take notes. We don't record the lesson. We don't revisit the lesson. We don't meditate on the lesson. We don't think about the lesson and ponder it so to make sure it gets into our spirits so that when a situation comes up that's similar, we take our learned lesson and, and, and use it in the new scenario and we don't fall into the same trap again. But many times we're, just not, we're not good note takers and we don't revisit our notes. That's really all it is in life, our life. We, I, we talked earlier about part of our reason is we just forget all the things we've been through. We just need to recall that stuff. That's why it's, it's important to keep a diary so that you can remember the things that you've been through, particularly the things that you've been through with God. The fifth reason that Jesus's life was a good life um, was he had the best diet. He had the best diet. Did y'all know Jesus ate good? Well, if you didn't know, you're going to know now. You're going to know now. Jesus ate real good. He ate real good, y'all. Look what he says here in, in John 4, 4, 31 through 4. And he was really hungry at this time, too. He was very hungry. And that's why his disciples said this in, in, the, in the text. Um, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Okay, I just want to pause right there for a minute so you can understand that Jesus must have been pretty hungry because his disciples were saying, uh, Master, you need to eat. You know, you really need to eat. And so he should be eating, right? And then it reads on, verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Now, get the scene. Jesus saying all of this when they knew he had no physical food because they had ran into the woman at the well and they had left Jesus to go get some food because they didn't have none. So now they come back with food and they say, Master, eat. And when he says, I got food to eat you don't know about, they were perplexed. They were perplexed. What are you talking about? Jesus went on to tell them, verse 33. 
Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Because he didn't have no food when we left. Somebody must have brought him some food. And then he says in verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Y'all get that? <laughs> when, when I said Jesus had the best diet, that's the best diet. That's the best diet right there. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. That's my food. He says, I get nourishment, though I haven't eaten anything physically, but I get nourishment when I do God's will. That's what Jesus says. And when I finish the work, that's my food. He said, y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all don't know nothing about that. But let me tell you about it, though. <laughs> that's my food. Jesus says, so he had the best diet, y'all. The best diet. Uh, uh, write this down. As followers, we should eat the same thing. As followers, we should eat the same thing. The will of God and finish his work. Y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what we should be eating. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you in, uh, into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the way that we're going to even know what to eat in terms of the, what Jesus ate, the will of God and finishing the work, is that we first got to not let this world take over the way we think. We need to have our minds renewed and transformed so that we would think differently. That's our problem. Our problem is in our thinking. We don't think properly about the life, about life and the experiences we have in life. So we don't know God's will for us. And the only way you're going to know it is if you change your thinking. Then you can know what God's will is for you and then you can eat the same diet Jesus ate. And live the good life by doing the will of God and finishing the work. The sixth reason Jesus' life was a good life, he loved sinners. He loved sinners. He loved sinners. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> Christ died for us when we were still sinners. He didn't wait till we got our act together to die. He died while we was fornicating. While you while you fornicating, Christ died for you. Yeah. <laughs> He'd say, oh, I don't, they need me. It just think Christ peeking through the window at you. <laughs> you know, and he said, you know what? I'm going to go die for them. Yeah. <laughs> while... You were stealing, right? When you, 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 you put that mask on and went into that folks' house and you broke in and took their stuff, God saw you, you know, I'm going to die for them. Right when you told that fat lie, right when you was lying, right in the middle of your lie, <laughs> you know, Christ died. Christ was on the cross. Did you do X, Y, Z? And you said, no, I didn't. And they put a nail in his hand right at that moment. He didn't wait till we were together 
going in the right direction to die. He died while we were still sinning. Not right after we, no, while we were still doing it. He died for you. That's love. That's love. And hey, write this down. As followers, oh, oh, John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one that, than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus And A, um, as followers, we should demonstrate love for sinners. As followers, we should demonstrate love for sinners. Matthew 5, 46 through 47 says, Jesus talking, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? The tax collectors are really known as being some of the worst sinners because they cheated. And verse 47, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. The pagans are the folks who don't even believe in God. So if you're just loving those who love you and, and only greeting your own people, you're not doing nothing. The text is saying it's, that's, that, that gets no reward. There's no benefit in that. It's when you love the folks who hate you that there's reward. When you love the folk who persecute you, that's what Jesus did. They, they were persecuting him, spitting on him, put a crown on his head, whooping him. And Jesus said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That's the kind of love that Jesus has. That's why his life was a good life. And if we love like that, it'll make our lives a good life. Real love is loving those who are hard to love. That's real love. Real love is loving those who are hard to love. So when you run across someone who's hard to love, don't start tripping with them or talking about them and and saying all this evil stuff. Look at yourself and ask God, cry out to God with tears. (laughs) God, help me love them. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Do you realize how pure our hearts would be if when someone who was hard to love was, 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 was making it hard for us to love them at the moment? And in that moment, we just, we cry out to God with tears and say, Lord, give me the strength to love them, please, Father. I mean, sincere tears. I'm not just, I'm talking about really. Do you realize what kind of pure heart that would take? That's the kind of heart Jesus had for us. Because while we were still sinning, while we was his enemy, going against him, he died for us. The seventh reason that Jesus' life was a good life, um, he attracted and welcomed sinners. He attracted and welcomed sinners. Luke 15, 1 and 2 says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. All right. These are sinners. These, these are folk who are not interested in going Jesus's way. But they all coming around him. Ain't that something? The folks who don't even agree with him or don't, they coming around. And the folks who are doing things badly are coming around Jesus. It's one of the things that made his life a good life. And he attracted the castaways, the folks who got talked about. They came to Jesus. And then verse 2 goes on and says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so the folks start talking about Jesus being with the sinners and and they say he 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 welcomes them. And then he's eating with them, too. 
It was like, oh, you can just imagine. They must have like, he must have been like, oh, Jesus, you know. And, but here's Jesus. That's love. Here, here it is. Jesus is demonstrating to them the very essence of love, and they thinking it's not love. You ever been there? You ever loved somebody and they didn't receive it? That you was loving them to the best of your ability, and they didn't think you was loving them. And they had the audacity to tell you, you don't love me. See, see, some of us have been in that situation. That was us. And it was our parents. Our parents was doing everything to love us. And then they did something we didn't like. And we had, some of us had the audacity to tell your mama, your daddy, you don't love me. <laughs> Y'all see us? It's crazy. What do you mean? I'm, I'm loving you right now. With the belt in my hand, I'm loving you. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> like, and we gonna say you don't love me? That just, that just, anyway. And so, a as as followers, we should attract sinners by loving one another. Look at here, we should attract sinners by loving one another. That's what the Bible says. John 13, 34 and 35 says, a new command I give you, Jesus talking, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Look what Jesus says. The way you love each other will be a great and perhaps the greatest testimony to the world that you're my disciple. And it be, will be perhaps the greatest attraction to the world that you're my disciples. If you love each other the way I loved you, it will cause them, the, the, the world to come to you and be attracted to. They be like, that's some crazy love. That's some crazy love right there. Look how they folks love each other. And they will be, they'll be like, you know, I want that love. Let me go check out what's this love that they're talking about, that they're living amongst each other. That's the kind of community we want to be, a loving community where we, the love we have for each other is shown, it's easily seen. Somebody can walk to the door and see that these people love each other. And, and they, they can say, you know what, I don't agree with them, but I can definitely say they love each other. <laughs> you know and we see that sometimes like some parents you know may not be happy with their sons or daughters choice of, of, of spouse you know you might not be happy with the, the son or daughter whoever they're dating you know and but when you get around them and you see how they vibe you know how they love each other a lot of times parents change their mind they be like I didn't like that dude, but I can tell they really love each other. <laughs> and then they can be like, you know, okay, I, you know, because they see the love. That's how the followers of Christ should be. And then um, B, as followers, we should make sinners feel safe in our presence. We should make sinners feel safe in our presence. Matthew 10, 16 says, behold, I, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So Jesus says, I, 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 I'm sending you out. It's going to be tough, but I'm, I'm commanding you to be wise, but also be harmless. Be harmless. So we should make sinners feel safe. We should, 
get them to understand we mean no harm. Even as we give them truth, we do it in such a loving and gentle fashion. It's harmless. It should be harmless. And then the last reason that Jesus' life is a good life, number eight, he fulfilled his life's mission. He fulfilled his life's mission. This, this next passage should be highlighted in your Bible, circled, starred, whatever you want to do in your Bible, because this is a critical passage, because this passage is the, the depiction of Jesus's life's mission. Luke 19.10, Luke 19.10. It says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The son of man is one of Jesus's titles, and it's a reference to the Messiah. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus's mission. So when he, he talk about fulfilling God's will, he know why he was here. And then as followers, we should pursue salvation of others. We should, as followers, we should be pursuing salvation of others, just like Jesus did. John 17, 18 says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into so as Jesus was sent to seek and save the lost, Jesus says, I'm sending my followers into the world to seek and save the lost. So we should be pursuing the salvation of others. And if we do these things, just like Jesus' life was good life, so will ours be. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. You know God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin so that you could live with him forever. If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I sinned against you. I made some mistakes in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and my mistakes and I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me to reflect the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to personally welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to connect with the church near you so that you can learn more about Jesus, grow closer to God and to other believers. God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. Understand Jesus was facing the greatest challenge of all time, past, present, and future. And it wasn't over for him. So any challenge that you can face, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you, God is telling you, it's not over. But whatever challenge, a person can face you might say well Pastor Robert you don't know what I'm going through I said you're right I don't God knows though 
But what I do know about your challenges, it ain't greater than the one Jesus went through. Thank you for listening. 